welcome everybody to Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I'm Christy Francesco. Joined, as always, every single week now is the George Rogers and Dean Holzapple for what a third week in a row, or is this the second week in a row? Uh, third or fourth, I think. I think it's the third. How about that? Yeah. Um, pretty well, sweet. Well, you're 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 actually telling me what the topics are. That's so that's, cr- that's like, true. So, <laughs> so I could be like, oh hey, I'll be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this I decided Mania season, and that's when I'm really interesting is during Mania season. So. And uh, I decided to call a little bit of an audible here, and I wanted to kind of. Uh, swerve away a little bit from WrestleManias because we did quite a bit in a row. And I figured, why not do the WrestleMania of World Championship Wrestling, which is Starcade? Although, in my opinion, I always thought the the number one pay-per-view for WCW, I always thought was Halloween Havoc. But um I agree. Yeah, but right. And then but to WCW, <laughs> Starcade was always, you know, if you ask Flair and guys like that, the WrestleMania of um, the South was Starkey. So uh, tonight we are going to cover the most infamous uh, Starcade pay-per-view in history, and that's Starcade 1997. And for those of you who might not know off the top of your head what that is, that was the night that was supposed to be the greatest night in the history of our sport, being professional wrestling, uh, Sting uh, versus Hulk Hogan. It was, to this day, I, I still stand by this, uh, over a what, I think like a 14-month period, I think it was the greatest wrestling storyline build of all time. Uh, Sting literally did not say a word for over a year. And it was the, the storyline was as compelling as anything in wrestling history. Uh, so much so that for about a six-month period, for a man that did not say a word, sold more merchandise than anybody in the business not named Steve Austin, and that was Sting. Uh, he sold more than the NWO, you know, more than uh, like you know uh, The Rock or anybody, anyone else other than Austin. Sting had the highest selling merchandise in pro wrestling of that year, which is wild to me. Um, so we're gonna talk at length about uh, that whole uh, Hogan Sting storyline uh, that had that massive crescendo at Starcade. Um look, we all know it's been 20 what 25 years 25 since that years. pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It not only was the most important pay-per-view in the history of WCW, but it was, you know, the biggest F up in wrestling history as well because they 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 had the everything so easily laid out in front of them what needed to happen and they didn't happen. Uh, you know, Eric Bischoff has been on record many times about this being the biggest regret of his of his career in WCW. Uh, you know, the people involved have talked about this so many times over the years. And we're going to dig into that. Yes, the pay-per-view, there was, a you know, matches that happened. And I'll, I'll briefly touch on those matches. However, I rate this as the second worst pay-per-view in wrestling history behind only WrestleMania 9. Um, so I'm, I'm going to briefly go over some of these matches because my god is it bad um i don't know, I don't know chris i think wrestlemania is a little better than this really i i i mean that it's like it's you tough, forget man. that sin and greed exist <laughs> like <laughs> and, and what made wrestlemania 9 so bad also is just the whole hogan brett and yoko thing is just legendarily awful um yeah 
it, it was just, and you know, one day we'll cover WrestleMania nine and I'll somehow have a vomit bag with me, but with Starcade, let's just kind of get into it. Uh, this was in uh, December 28th, 1997 from the MCI center in Washington, DC. Uh, this pay-per-view had the most buys in WCW history, 650,000. Uh, a sold-out crowd of 17,500 paid a live gate of 543,000. Now, listen, in normal terms, in WWF, if there was a pay-per-view of you know 700,000 buys, 17,500, the live gate's going to probably be about eight to 900,000 because ticket prices were a lot more expensive for WWF than the WCW. So WCW didn't make a whole lot of money at the gates uh, for pay-per-views. Um, so, you know, the 1997 edition of WCW Starcade was arguably, like we said, the most important show in the history of WCW. It was also an event that served as a reminder as to why WCW ended up dying just over three years after this show, even though yeah. they were ridiculously <laughs> successful at the time. Um, you know, bad booking decisions killed them, and there's no greater example of that than this event itself. And we're going to talk about that Um you know, I, I remember there was a lot of excitement going into the show. Um, I was 11. I had just turned 11 years old and I was a huge Sting fan. Um, the only time I would watch WCW was when Sting was around. Um, or if, you know, there was supposed to be like this really big thing with the NWO, I would flick over and watch WCW over WWF. Um, but it was one of those few occasions. And this entire storyline for, for the year was just unbelievable. Uh, George, I'll, I'll start with you first before we continue. Do you remember back then being highly interested in this storyline? Did you know anything about it? Were you strictly a WWF guy at the time? Um, do you remember, what do you recall uh, of this entire um, build up to Starcade? Um. I was uh, this was at a time I was flipping back and forth just like anybody else was. Mm-hmm. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot going on over in uh, Big Vince's house of muscle, so I was che- so I was checking out to see uh, where the big boys. He, did, he discontinued the Ico Pro. I can't stop caring. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. What, what, once Ico Pro stopped, I threw my TV out. There was no need to. <laughs> just easing no, out the um, window. <laughs> I was a. Uh, I was super into this because Sting, because mm-hmm. Sting didn't say anything. He was the cool, he was the coolest guy in WCW who was not wearing an NWO shirt. Yeah, um, and <laughs> also didn't have taped ribs and a. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> he, was, he didn't even know who, who who Marcus Bagwell was in the American Males. I don't look. <laughs> <laughs> I maintain Scott. I I, I maintain Scotty Riggs was the talent in that tag team. In no way uh, did I expect that in 2022 I hear someone do American Males reference. <laughs> it was. It's coming. funny that it's funny that Scotty Riggs carried him in the American Males, and then Scott Norton carried him in the tag team in the NWO. The fact that Scott Norton carried anybody is unbelievable. Scott Norton was great. Excuse you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, jerk. Oh, uh, but no, I was I was super into this because it was for the simple fact that sting wasn't saying anything so we so we really had no idea what was going on so you know he would just show up every now and then uh you know hit a few people with a bat leave uh show up wearing a sting mask and take the mask off and it was him underneath you know just just great mind games mm-hmm. uh yeah, sting made the whole rafter thing famous before owen fucked it up but jesus <laughs> fucking christ man <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I don't ever want to hear anybody ever say to me, hey, don't make Owen Hart references. Is this another episode you have to tell our, our number one listener not to listen to? I think I think now I do. I don't think he was going to anymore. During this event, though, he's too too busy headlining WrestleMania while these guys were fucking it up. He was too busy taking about 75 somas a night. (laughs) Fucking wow. All right, we're going to do that. We're too busy taking 75 somas and balls deep in the sunny. Uh, that one of those is not like the other. But to be fair, who wasn't balls deep in sunny? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, to be fair, he was headlined the DX pay per view. Yes, you know, which Can, occurred yeah. at the same occurred right. at the same month. But anyway, yeah. but, but 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 this was a hot storyline. This is the hottest storyline going. Um, not including the Montreal Screwjob, that was a whole other thing in of itself. But when it came to to long-term storytelling like this was a, a real massive um a, a, like a real massive line because sting disappeared we didn't know he just kept showing up in the rafters with the face paint we didn't know what was going to all of a sudden it was like oh he's gonna face hogan at starcade like this felt like a huge it felt like a huge thing mm-hmm. i mean i didn't get the pay-per-view uh anyway um but obviously the next the, the next um uh, night on nitro we got filled in as to what happened and i was like uh hmm. <laughs> yes things got that belt but uh i don't know no i and i'm with you uh how about you dean do you remember at all were you a fan at this point um well as i've said in previous episodes and even on uh, some of our wrestling topics on big energy um i am i i loved always will love WWF, WWE, even as frustrated as I can get with them. But I am a, when it comes to professional wrestling, I am very much a child of the NWA and early WCW, like the you know late 80s, early 90s and stuff like that. So I was a massive Sting fan once I saw him wrestle Ric Flair, Clash mm-hmm. of Champions, in mm-hmm. the Iron Man match and the draw. And so I was always a Sting fan. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest when I say this. Mm-hmm. I hated the crow gimmick. Really? With passion. Hated it. And Wait, why? Because I, I thought Sting was so cool when he was still surfer Sting, mm-hmm. but he was growing his hair out. And it, it was, was like, like black. Highlight. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yes, like this is this is such a cool look. And I just was such a fan of surfer Sting. Um, it was like the, it was like the ultimate face gimmick. Like he was Listen, man, he was John Cena before John Cena. No, no, that's very. I mean, you know Ric I mean? Flair like, has like, been on record saying <clears throat> one of the most over wrestlers he's ever been around was Sting. Yeah, and so at first I hated the Crow gimmick. At first, mm-hmm. it, once like it kind of evolved to him, he had the look, but he was basically he started wearing the singlet and stuff like that, and then he was basically starting for Sting again, just with the Crow look. I was kind of back on board with Sting and stuff like that, but um, I thought that I, I thought the angle was great, mm-hmm. but I just was not on board with, with Crow Sting. And then I just remember watching this pay per view mm-hmm. and thinking it was awful twenty five years ago. And then I, even at so this is ninety seven, correct? We were in yep. ninety seven, so I was yep. ten, mm-hmm. right? Um, the moment that this, and we're obviously going to get to it at the mm-hmm. end, or you know when we get to the match, um, um. 
you know, that whole botched ending and stuff like that, I immediately, I remember my dad was asleep and I don't know where my mom was or whatever, but I said to myself, I was just like, did they just try to recreate the Montreal school screw job? <laughs> like it was so obvious that they were trying to like have their own version of it, but not real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I just remember being so disappointed. I mean, I was happy that Sting won. Yeah. At that point I had started to get burned down the NWO. You know, I think a lot of people were starting to get, kind of burnt out on the nwo um um but then like the next night it was just all negated yeah absolutely i mean i mean and then he would win it back in february at, at super brawl but um you, i have a question for you two if the sting character the crow character never happens do you think that's the kind of character that would get over today and i feel like that character would be massive in 2022 Probably. Probably, but at the same time, it would get ruined by the dirt sheets. I think you're probably right. Technology internet, might have made, might have attacked the, that. The 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 internet has ruined. Um, you know all. I mean the the, the, the excuse me. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, the the internet basically ruined kayfabe, so you mm-hmm. can't really believe anything anymore because there's always. A Meltzer or a Sean Ross Sapp who's leaking something out to somebody and mm-hmm. it just gets out there and you know and then news spreads like wildfire. Now I saw a post um today, or it might have been there. So either way, I said, imagine there was no internet and you know Cody wasn't seen on AEW, and then all of a sudden he shows up at WrestleMania to Dude, face Seth Rollins. It would be unbelievable. It yeah, would it really would. I mean, I mean, now that it's <laughs> all but confirmed that that's happening there yeah. really isn't much of a surprise factor no so there's a cool factor to it like that's like yeah. there's anticipation but it's not like a shock wave out of nowhere but like you'd have but say for you you'd have this crow gimmick you'd have somebody in this crow gimmick up in the rafters not saying anything or disappearing it would only be a matter of time before somebody got a hold of planes and leaked them and said oh uh crow sting to face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania for the title, or or, or something like that. Right, it, it would get leaked out somewhere, or it's like mm-hmm. or or or, or uh, Crow Sting to be number thirty at the Royal Rumble and win to go on to face the, the champion. Like it, it would get ruined somewhere down the line. Yeah, so I nowadays the, there's no genuine surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. When it happens, it's like all right, like, and and then when you yeah. do get a genuine surprise, it. It, it always kind of falls flat because it's just not going to be as good as as any surprises we got, you know, tw- yeah. 20 years ago. No, yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, like, I mean, the, the last, like, legitimate super-duper surprise that I can recall off the top of my head was way back in 2011 when The Rock was announced as the guest host of WrestleMania. I, I mean, that was unlike anything. I mean, just thinking about it now, I have goosebumps, and I remember when they just – when he when that music hit, I remember saying, "My God, like no one knew this. Like no one knew the Rock was going to be coming back." When he showed up on Raw, yeah, yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was yeah. that nobody knew. That it was, was never. Grace, it's one of the greatest returns ever. I think. Oh, absolutely. I still get chills. Yeah, I'll pull that up every once in a while on YouTube, Same. and I still get goosebumps up because mm-hmm. it was one of the it, no pun. It was one of the most electrifying moments it, in the history of the business. It agreed. Was, it was just it was amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Although I will, I'm not going to lie. Kevin Owens did get me a couple times last night. So. <laughs> yeah. Now when that yeah. when Austin hit, I'm like, I'm like, really? Like Austin's on Raw, and then as he came out, Mike gets Owens. But then the music hit again. I'm like, gosh. And then, and then like, then like, five seconds later, I'm like, he's pulling an HPK in Montreal in 2005. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so obviously, like we said, the anticipation uh, just from that first couple of minutes of us talking, everyone, you guys listening can tell that the anticipation for this event was palpable. Now, just imagine being alive, you know, December 28, 1997 <laughs> to be around for this pay-per-view. And the reason for this anticipation was Sting. He didn't have a match for a whole year. He had some contract that allowed him to not wrestle for a full year until this show. The guy didn't talk, but we saw him wreak havoc against the NWO for about a year before this. He also morphed into this darker crow-like gimmick, which was given to him, uh, created uh, by the late, great Scott Hall. Um, uh, Instead of being an excitable surfer-looking dude with blonde hair, putting him over strong at the end here seemed as simple as, you know, the day is long. But this is WCW, everyone. They couldn't even get the simple things right. So um, in addition to the Sting story, there was the Bret Hart factor. You would think that the WCW would capitalize on that by putting Brett in a match at this show. Uh-uh. Um, have him, you know, get some big win, give give him some sort of momentum at being one of the hottest names in the industry at the time. You know, you're he just showed up at WCW late December. The Montreal screw job was November 7th. <laughs> so WCW waited so long just to put him on television. Um, yeah. He was only a referee at the biggest show ever for WCW. Like, what the but hell they is that? But they also announced him beforehand because I think it was like the Nitro after the Montreal screw job. The NWO came out with Canadian flags mm-hmm. talking about how Brett was coming. So they talked right. about Brett showing up for a month. Yep before he showed up and then it's like oh hey he's gonna referee this match between eric bischoff and larry zabisco and it's mm-hmm. like well he oh he also told everybody he was going wcw when he spelt it in the air as he was destroying exactly. side. right oh i thought he said roh that's weird <laughs> i'll have to go back and watch that again oh that's funny um i Brett thought he spelled bro um yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> Paul Hamer would have used him better, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he would have been like top dog there. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. <laughs> the only guy in the locker room not destroying himself with heroin and cocaine. Wow. Um, the disrespect right now. I didn't um, know. Sorry, I hate ECW. Uh, so, Storm I mean, listen, I can understand. I can understand your, your plight, but. It doesn't mean there weren't there wasn't some talent there. Oh, there was ridiculous talent in that down there. New Jack was incredible. Um, the opening video package focused on Sting and Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> uh, it didn't it take was... talent to do a co- uh, New Jack. It took cocaine. Um, <laughs> so <funny>. one, <laughs> uh, the opening video package the rails. <laughs> focused on Sting and Hogan. It was about how Sting was lurking in the shadows, but tonight he seeks. The Ruin of One Man. It was a pretty weak video package, but it was 1997, and WWF was always better than them at those things. Um, WCW would expect. <laughs> I know. Um, and, announcer Tony Schiavone called it the biggest night in the in the history of this grand sport. He noted that Sting versus Hogan is 18 months in the making, which was true. He that announced 24,000 fans, which is bullshit because the arena can only <laughs> hold 18,000. 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, they kept talking about it being a sold-out show, but every now and then they'd show the crowd, and the other WWE wrestlers were in the crowd. So, no, they didn't buy tickets. <laughs> um, the other announcers uh, with Shivani were Mike Tanay and Dusty Rhodes. It was surprising that Bobby Heenan wasn't announcing this show, but they made the call to put Dusty there. Uh, they talked about how the official for the main event um, will be drawn from a hat. Uh, they showed members of WCW wrestlers in attendance at the show with shots of Harlem Heat, Rey Mysterio, Disco Inferno, uh, the man they called Glacier, Disco. Humorous, and others. Um, the yeah, idea... Uh, discussing detente with the Alex Wright ringside. The, the idea is that they are so into the show that they had to buy a ticket to be in the crowd to watch it. Um, it was also announced... <laughs> it was also announced that Kevin Nash will not be at the show uh, to face a giant. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Kevin Nash had a, a heart incident that was, did not allow him to be there. Um, so the first match of the night we saw, which was a great opener, uh, these two have had five-star matches all over the world up until now. Um, uh, WCW Cruiserweight Championship, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. Uh, the mm. winner was Eddie Guerrero. Uh, this match actually wasn't even supposed to happen. Uh, Malenko was flown in the day of. Um, it's funny. He didn't even he wasn't supposed to be at the event because his wife was in labor. So they flew uh, a private jet out to him to pick him up, to bring him to the show and, and do this match really quick with Eddie Guerrero. Um, so if you guys felt like that this match was rushed, it's because it was. Um I still give it about three stars. I thought it was a, a great psychology. You know, these two, you know, you can go back and watch the cruiserweight. If you're going to go back and watch WCW at all, just go back and watch the undercard and watch the likes oh. of Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, oh. Jericho, Mysterio. Mysterio. I mean, yeah. some of the greatest matches of all time you'll watch. Hooventude. Um, oh, Hooventude was awesome. I, I was a fan of Hooventude um, back then. I'm a parka. Oh God, the, the, the official the, the chairman, chairman of WCW. The, the chairman of WCW. <laughs> um, George, Go. your your thoughts um, on 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 this match? Chris, I gave it about three and a half mm -hmm. um, because I don't think you can give a Malenko <clears throat> and Guerrero match anything less than three. To be honest with you, I agree. Whether or not this match felt rushed, I didn't think it felt rushed. I, <clears throat> I felt like I was watching two masters of the craft just doing what they do best mm -hmm. and the fact that malika was was flown in day of yeah and he had like no prep time and still went out and put out <laughs> and, and put on a, a clinic with eddie guerrero for for what was it, like nine minutes um mm -hmm. is a real testament to how good the two of those were the, the the two of those guys were together i've always been a malika fan um mm -hmm. dean i know you're a, a massive dean malika fan yeah you know, uh, I was uh, drawn to Dean Malenko uh, at first because we had the same name. <laughs> I mean, I, what I'll say about Dean Malenko is that he's one of the most believable pro wrestlers I'd ever seen. Whenever the second he walked out to that uh, down that ramp, he everything was serious to him. He made it feel legend. real with, yeah. with his Legend of Zelda theme. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but it sounds like something you'd hear in like the dark world and like to the past. But a um, but, uh, great match. I, I, I loved it. So if you know, if, if you guys, if I will recommend anything on this show, anything at all, it would be this match. And then you can go find something else. Um, Scott Hall 
of the New World Order walks out for a promo here, and you could see very clearly a sign that says McMahon fears steroids. That's creative. Um, uh, Hall said that being in D.C. for the holidays is just too sweet. Uh, he did his survey bit asking if you're there to see WCW, lots of cheers, or the NWO, cheers for them too. Um, Hall said that he knows everybody wants to see Hollywood beat Sting and said that at Super Brawl, he gets to wrestle the winner. Hall said that Kevin Nash is not there. If you have a problem, meet him down there and, and said, you know oh. where. What? Down where? Down down, down here. Uh, Hall said to tell the giant um, to just tell everybody that he won. That's WCW walking in a nutshell. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was a good segment to replace the match, although it probably would have been better just to do a giant versus Hall since Hall didn't have a match on the show. Um, the reason Nash wasn't there was because he had a legit heart issue and they feared that he might have had a heart attack. Um, others thought it was just Nash's way of avoiding the job, uh, Wrestling Observer, um, because Nash was supposed to lose. So here is what uh, Eric Bischoff described as what happened. This is to quote Eric Bischoff. So he said, this was our first experience with a personal issue of Kevin's that's plagued him from time to time. His dad died of a heart attack before the age of 40, um, as did his uncles and grandfather. At the time of Starcade, Kevin was getting to the age where his father had passed away. And I think in his own mind, he was afraid he might follow in his footsteps. So from time to time, when Kevin would have a little bit of heartburn or funny feelings in his chest or high blood pressure, he would definitely overreact for the right reasons. That Saturday, when I arrived in Washington for the pay-per-view, I got a call that Kevin was in the hospital in Phoenix, undergoing tests for a heart attack because of some of the stunts that Kevin and Scott had played in the past. My first reaction was, well, big cranky is mad that he's going to lose. So he's not going to show up to work. Um, but I picked up the phone and eventually found out that Kevin was truly in the hospital undergoing heart tests. Um, as angry and disappointed as I was to replace something else on the show, it was a legitimate scare. So, um, well, I mean, from those of you who, who know the history of Kevin Nash, the, He's, I think, 63 or 64 right now, and he's outlived mo the majority of his family by 20 years. So um, the fact that he's, you know, at this time, 38, 39, and, you know, having high blood pressure, having, you know, irregular heartbeat, I think I would take myself to the hospital, too. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the next match, uh, Randy Savage, Vincent, the great Virgil, uh, and Scott Norton. Uh, versus Rick yeah, Steiner, buddy. Scott Steiner, and big Ray Trailer, formerly the Big Boss Man, uh, with Ted DiBiase. And soon to be the Big Boss Man again. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the winners were Savage, Vincent, and Norton. So I gave this um, a dud rating. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was a, a poor tag match that was done in a way that wasn't normal for a tag match. However, again, another issue with WCW for this pay-per-view is Randy Savage was a fill-in. And Randy Savage isn't necessarily used to being a tag wrestler with five other guys in the ring. Um, so realistically, I, I felt like this was just, you know, if you're going to have a replacement, Vince McMahon always said the replacement has to be either as big or bigger. So clearly Savage um, being the biggest star in the match, it's easy to understand why he was the one to get the pinfall um, in this one. Um, Scott Steiner though, had a lot of offense, um, in, in, in this one um your thoughts uh george on on this tag match 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like a one star, and that one star is Randy Savage. Um, the 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 main issue, well, 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 the the main issue I had with it, it was exactly what you said. Uh, was that Randy Savage was a fill-in. Think about that. Randy Savage mm-hmm. wasn't on this card, and he was thrown in last minute. That's mm-hmm. at sacrilege. You know what's crazy, it, Dean? And I'll bring this up to you, Dean, because you're a, a Randy Savage fan. Isn't yeah. it, isn't it kind of crazy how he's known to be like one of the probably top 10 greatest workers of all time, strictly from his WWF run because his yeah. WCW run was just terrible. Once his WCW run went nosedive the moment the NWO formed. I, I agree because I always because ask somebody naming two he, matches that he did good in WCW. Anything he, with flair and DDP. That, and, and that was, and that's it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, because he showed up, he continued his feud with Flair, and then he went to a feud with DDP, and then the NWO formed, and that was and it. that was that was like the end. And I mean, I did like his stuff as with you know Macho Madness, you know, uh, two thousand stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I thought he did some some good stuff with that. That was a pretty good character for him, nice little reinvention of himself. Mm-hmm. But man, those like few years when he was in the NWO and then the Wolfpack, and he should have never been anybody tied to that mm-hmm. to, to that. You know, it should have been. He should have been fighting the good fight, but yeah, I completely agree. Like, mm-hmm. m- like, like most people who went to WCW, yeah, uh, like Brett. Brett was completely oh, wasted in WCW. Easily the best, probably in ring worker in that company, and it, just got wasted in a mid card. Essentially, I agree. Until it, NWA two thousand started. It well, sucks what, because Jeff I, is fucking in his uh his eye pro because the sunglasses. It sucks <laughs> because when you think about if only. Sean and Brett could have coexisted. Can you imagine how great it would have been to have Brett Hart throughout the next four or five years after 97? I mean, some of the matches and the storylines you could have had with Brett as a heel going up against Austin for a few years. Oh my God. Let me, um, let me pose a question to the two of you real quick. Actually, before I ask that question, I'm going to point out that (coughs) came out to help Scott Hall to the back. Mm-hmm. And then when Vincent came back out two seconds later, he was wearing sunglasses. My oh. man. So I don't know why he needed to do that. But anyway, so do you think that, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's almost unanimous about how we feel about Savage being put in the NWO was a Hogan. It had to be a Hogan call to keep mm-hmm. Savage down so he has become bigger than Hogan. But do you think all the stuff with, with Brett being booked so badly was also because of Hogan? Because he knew that Hart would have been a much bigger star than him in WCW had he been booked right. I don't, man, that's a good question and I, I just don't know because Bischoff has said all the time and he even said it after this, talking about this main event it didn't matter what Hogan did because his money was the same. He, he didn't make more whether he was on top or not because he had an ironclad guaranteed deal. He didn't make more money whether he was first on the card or last. Like it, yeah. But the thing is, though, if, it, if, if, Brett, if Brett would have been put in a storyline with him, the assumption probably would have been at some point Hogan would have had to put him over, and I think he put a kibosh on that. The, I mean, I, I know like – like Hogan's money stayed the same no matter what because of the contract. But with Hogan, it's not really so much about money, but it's how it's how the world perceives him. Yeah, Brett's it's, the same way. It it's the ego. Yeah, Hogan. You know, we're, we're, 
whatever Hogan's making is fine regardless, but if he has to go out and put Bret Hart over clean, mm-hmm. how is that? How is he going to look to other people? Where it's like, oh, Hogan's lost a step. You had to put Bret Hart over. Well, which is crazy because, you know, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels lost to everybody. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, Undertaker lost Triple to people. Triple H, too. Triple H has the worst record in WrestleMania history. I mean, yeah. John Cena has lost like his past five WrestleManias. So it's mm-hmm. like, John Cena's lost his past like 10 total matches. Exactly. So yeah. it's, so that's the, um, it was just a weird time. I, I think, I think real, real quick, because I'm sure we're going to take a break in a minute. Um, I think the re, I think with Hogan is that he is a, a product of the golden age of professional wrestling. Um, when and I wins don't think mattered. Hogan, when, yeah, wins mattered and uh, looks mattered. How would it look if Hulk Hogan, six seven, six eight, three hundred pounds of muscle, uh, was pinned by six foot one, two hundred thirty five pound Bret Hart? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's in a world that where kayfabe storytelling and all that stuff mattered. It's not believable in the world of wrestling that a guy like Bret Hart could beat the immortal Hulk Hogan. Yeah, um, that, and I think that's where I think that's where a great Hogan point. looked at it. Because look at the people who who Hogan has put over in his career. Clean, essentially six, six guys, two as I can think off the top of my head, and that's Warrior and The Rock. And I bet you he held that against Warrior for a while because he put Warrior over, and Warrior was out of the company like a year later because he was a head case. Didn't Triple H beat him clean? He could have, I, but I'm I'm saying in terms of like like the two people he put over to right, be the right. next big thing was Warrior clean being the first person to kick out of the leg drop and then the rock like that was the thing like he put them over they were to be catapulted and then warrior got fired mm-hmm. or, you know took his and i think i think hogan said well i'm never doing that again well i mean he put gold i think over. it's what it was yeah I mean, Okay, he did put gold over, but, but that, that worked. That actually worked. Yeah, but that also wasn't exactly a clean win either because the NWO kept trying to interfere in that match. Mm-hmm. So that he got wasn't pinned cleanly, match. though. He got pinned cleanly with the jackhammer, yeah. though. Yeah. So he's good. lost clean six times. Wow. Rock, Goldberg, Angle, uh, un- Brock Lesnar, and mm-hmm. Triple H and Warrior. Okay. So that's it. Like, so like straight he, he would, clean. He would think like, okay, I'll put Brock over because Brock is bigger than me. Brock is huge. Yeah. He, it's a believable thing. So, mm-hmm. but that that yeah. was that's what I had to say about that's that. a good point. That's I'm, I'm sure that also, went into it. But also, with, and with Brett because Brett's finisher is a submission hold. Right. Hogan Hogan isn't tapping out. No, unless you're Sting. Nineteen nineties Hogan is not tapping out to the sharpshooter. No. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to the other pieces of shit matches that we're going to get into because there's a couple of them that's probably worst you'll ever see in your life. Um, uh, so, yeah, and then we'll talk uh, intensely about Sting and Hogan. So this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. We are covering Starcade from 1997, the WrestleMania of WCW, um, the biggest pay-per-view ever in WCW, and the biggest letdown in pay-per-view history. Uh, and we'll get more into that on the other side. Uh, I'm Chrissy Francesco. That's George and Dean. We'll be right back in just a few seconds. Welcome back, Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Starcade 97 is the pay per view, and uh, shit show number one of this show is right now. Um, 
Bill Goldberg versus Steve Mongo McMichael. The winner was Bill Goldberg. Um, I give this match about a negative five. Um, you know, Goldberg wasn't wasn't really known for having good matches, and Mongo McMichael is probably one of the worst workers of all time. <laughs> um, they hey, had a watch your toe in this match. Mongo went for a tombstone, and I'm glad his back hurt him and he couldn't do it oh. because that would have been the end of Goldberg as we yeah. know it. Yeah, it's. And that there was a table bump here that I, I my three-year-old Mongo, daughter could have taken better. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. Like Goldberg, I liked Mongo's personality. Like he wasn't good in the ring, but his personality was great. I thought Mongo was a really good announcer, actually. Um, yeah, he, had he was. Yeah, um, you know Goldberg's uh, match finishes uh, got better when he did the spear before the jackhammer, and um, man, at this time. I cannot believe they put a raw Bill Goldberg in there against a guy that can't work anyway. Um, just this was WCW written all over it. Um, next next match was Ravens rules. Perry Saturn uh, with Raven versus Chris Benoit. The winner uh, was Perry Saturn. Um, <clears throat> see, I give it two stars, but that that was what you'd call an overbooked match where they just had too many guys involved. It's easy to see why they would have had Saturn get the win since Benoit had to fight off Ravens flock and having him win wouldn't have made any sense. Uh, Benoit was one of the best workers in the world at this time. So it sucks that this is what Chris Benoit was doing in 97 because, you know, again, I'm going to say this every time we bring up the name Chris Benoit, regardless of the last 48 hours of his life, He's one of my favorite workers of all time because I think he's one of the greatest wrestlers, technical wrestlers that that ever lived. Um, and well, he just deserves so much better in WCW. Well, of a point of interest, um, all of the radicals face each other in this paper. In this paper That's deal. true. Yeah. So, you no, know, it's amazing that all four of those guys were going to be gone two yeah. years later. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but now, the one thing I, a couple of things about this match um, was. And while on the mic saying that he likes inflicting pain, and I'm like, oh dear God. It's so uncomfortable sometimes to watch his old promos now. <laughs> oh, George is out. Okay. Um, it's like he knew it, but um it's almost as it's almost as uncomfortable as when Chavo Garcia would trust him with his kids. <laughs> um yeah, it's um it some, he was some, framed. I'm back. Go ahead, go ahead, George. You were saying uh, it was a uh, Benoit said was was when Benoit got on the mic and said that he liked inflicting pain and I'm just like oh god damn like all these are quotes that I don't want to keep hearing. Raven said this was going to be the destruction of Chris Benoit and I'm like please stop saying words. Going to be are they're going to be too painful to hear ten years later. He stopped speaking. And, and <laughs> Billy Kidman did a shooting star press off the apron and missed entirely and just yes, flopped on the ground. And then he got up and started scratching and Shivani's like, yep, he's tweaked. <laughs> <laughs> Shivani is one of my all-time favorite announcers. I mean, yeah, that was supposed to be Billy Kidman's gimmick that he was a heroin addict in Raven's Flock because that's why he was always scratching his himself because he was addicted to snack. But yeah. They just leaned into it hard. <laughs> um, next match here, WCW United States Championship, Kurt Henning versus Diamond Dallas Page. You, you skipped um, one. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I did. Okay. All right. Let me go back. Why would you remind me that I skipped this? Um, no, because I'm going to bitch about it. And all everyone's right. Gonna- Buff Bagwell, the Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Uh, winner. I mean, there was no, the, the fans were the losers. Everybody lost oh. here. Um, I'm going to give this a, a minus four stars. Um, God, this was so bad. And the fact that these fucking idiots got 20 minutes, like, I, I love your commentary, Chris. This is I, great. <laughs> I mean, these fucking idiots got 20 minutes. Where are we going to live stream a pay per view and then give our own, uh, and then give our own commentary? Like, this match would have been more interesting if it was Buff Bagwell then versus current day Lex Luger. It would have been wow. way more interesting. Wow. Um, or, or current day Buff against current day Lex. Yeah, get get Buff on that stair that stair thing that elevates him up the steps in a in a chair. God, <laughs> he's never been more entertaining than he is right now. His hairline is awful. <laughs> Somehow he grew. Somehow he got a widow's peak out of nowhere. Yeah. Buff Bagwell came out and like the camera zoomed in on his entranceway and he's like, hey, Lex, I got a new name for you. It's Lex Loser. It's like, great. A third grader just wrote Buff's, uh, just wrote Buff's script. Uh-huh. It's just, it's, all right. it's so bad. I was watching this at work on my lunch break. I fell asleep. Yeah. I fell asleep <laughs> watching this match. Like it was 16, according to to what I'm looking at here, it was 16 minutes, 36 seconds. This was the longest match on the pay-per-view. This felt like it was 18 minutes too long. (laughs) This felt like an Iron Man match. Nobody won. Oh my God. Like this would have been the exact moment that somebody should have called it a bomb scare at the arena. Jesus Um, Christ. (laughs) I mean, I, I somebody get. called somebody had called in a and then Walk killed his family scare. Oh dear Lord Almighty! <laughs> <laughs> I um I get I get that they were trying to elevate Bagwell because he was a young guy Stop at this point, <laughs> but he just he just wasn't good. Uh, back the goal the goal here I I guess was to get Bagwell a cheap win, which they mm-hmm. did. The problem is that he still is a suck ass and it doesn't I, know what he cares. I assume everything is cheap with Buff Bagwell. Yeah, it's it is. Like he's the type of guy that he's a girl out on a date and then goes to the bathroom and the bill comes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I assume he wears his Buff Bagwell hat at every date he goes on. <laughs> and then and then he has to come back to his house for a fucking nooner at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and, after, and after he does a line of coke he probably punches her in the face <laughs> i actually think that actually happened a couple years ago actually oh, um wow except it's, not his, except it's not his house it's his mom's house he's, yes he's yeah. hey, my mom will make a nice pb and j sandwich he's like hey you want to have sex in this pole match <laughs> all right uh <laughs> next oh my match God, this- this, this, this is the most wild hot tag I've ever been a part of. <laughs> this is what WCW. This is, this is what Prime WCW pulled this out. This is what it does, man. Um, Bagwell's bed is a pull-out couch that's missing cushions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's geez. a pull-out water bed, but there's no water in it. He has to fill it up every night with the booze that he drinks out of it. <laughs> uh, next match here, we actually get something uplifting on the show. 
Um, for the WCW United States Championship, Kurt Henning versus Diamond Dallas Page. The winner and new champ was DDP. I gave this three and a half stars. I thought it was a real solid match with a great finish. Um, you know, since they Pussy. finally booked a baby face, they got a clean win with Page winning the title. I thought that that worm, that toxic snake, Dave Meltzer reported in that Observer that the crowd was not into this match. Listen they here, you. Wet. They Idiot. They were into this match from the very beginning, I thought. Um, you know, it would have been better if they gave this match three to five more minutes, but they were too busy sucking off Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger to give Hell them yeah. 17 minutes. Um, I, I mean, I like Lex, but fuck Buff. <laughs> but this was clearly the bigger match. Um, mm-hmm. Henning's overselling of everything was just always so much fun to watch. The fact that he would bump to the floor after a punch was pretty cool to see in that stage mm-hmm. of his career. And DDP, man, this was prime Diamond Dallas Page, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. You know, other he other than Sting, <clears throat> I would probably say the most the second biggest baby face in in the company was DDP. Um, Absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Over like Rover. He was, yeah. He was so, uh, what were your uh, thoughts on this match, guys? Uh, yeah, I think I thought it was the first of all match of the night, mm-hmm. um, which really wasn't too hard. I mean, I you could have had Dusty Rhodes uh, fight with the English language like he did all night on commentary, and that would have been wow. match of the night. Now, here's the thing. Um, Careful, watch, the Rhodes boys are going to start crying. I do watch the, the pay-per-views with the captions on because sometimes I do have a hard time understanding what Dusty Rhodes is saying. But on the plus side, apparently I'm not the only one because my closed captioning every so often would just say indistinct when Dusty was talking. So (laughs) I wasn't the only person who couldn't understand what the hell Dusty was saying. And, but that's why, like, I don't know why he was on commentary. They should have had the brain on commentary for this because Dusty is, I mean, he's trying to talk and give like comments, but it's just like Dusty, these, they're failing hard. But, but I thought I thought DDP winning this title was the best move of the night for this company. Probably the best move, of the, probably the best move of the year, to be honest with you. Um, D, DDP was so over; it was insane. I mean, when he when he hit that diamond cutter, the crowd just erupted. He lost Chris. I no, he's on mute. Chris, you're on oh, mute. I'm sorry. The diamond cutter was one of the most. You know, probably, I guess, other than the stunner, maybe the most over finish in wrestling at that point, right? Uh-huh. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Love this. I love the diamond cutter. Yeah, same. Um, and he would just, and the, I mean, it, it was the original out of nowhere for from out uh-huh. of nowhere. Yeah, true. Um, he could counter anything into the diamond cutter. It was so good. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the next match was. Um, Eric Bischoff with Scott Hall versus Larry Larry Zabisco at Bret Hart as a referee. The winner was Larry Zabisco. Um, no, I really don't want to put any time into this because I really just want to get to the main event. There, um, was, there was there was no legit winner. Nobody pinned anybody. Right. All of a sudden, Bret Hart is just holding up Larry Zabisco's arms, and they're like, "Oh, and your winner, Larry Zabisco." So he didn't pin. <laughs> is it kind of like when uh, Roddy Piper pinned? Uh... Pin Goldberg and some heart yeah. on the belt. <laughs> yeah. It... Oh, like Scott Hall tried to put that steel plate in Eric Bischoff's shoe, and he hits the pistol with it and 
flew out of his shoe before his foot even connected. I, I will. The only thing I'll say positive about this is is that Eric Bischoff wrestled this match with a broken kneecap. So I will give him credit for that. I don't care. I know. Um, all right. So here, here we go. Um, they did the big introduction for the main event with Mike, Michael Buffer saying it was the most important match in the history of wrestling. Um, yeah. The WCW World Heavyweight Champ Hulk Hogan made his entrance with the NWO theme song. Hogan was 44 years old here. Um, oh. Sting made his entrance by walking down the aisle. He's 38 here at the time. I remember there was a massive discussion, and I've, I've talked about this even with my wife, from people about how he might enter since he did so many entrances by rappelling down from the ceiling. Um, that's why it was very weird that he just walked down the aisle here and is his first televised main event or his first televised match in over a year. I thought the second I, I saw Sting walk down the aisle as lackadaisical as he did, the mystique of Sting to me was gone and he was just a regular guy to me. Um, I, I don't understand why after this entire buildup, you don't follow suit and you have him. He was like a loner. He was the lone wolf of the company for a year. And now he's walking out like every one of the boys. He's just walking out in the biggest match like that, of the year. Like that was the point of of the Crow gimmick was that he was supposed to represent like WCW dying. That was the point of the black and the white was that mm-hmm. he was supposed to essentially be the, the corpse of WCW because NWO because the NWO had killed it. So that was the whole idea behind it. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, him coming out of the, I mean, him coming down the ramp with his, you know, with his entrance, that was pretty cool in itself, but I hadn't really thought about like the mystique of it until you yeah. mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can kind of agree with you on that because like his jacket was just kind of hanging off as he yeah. was walking. Ramp. Yeah. Like he, it, like he couldn't be bothered to pull it up all the way. He's like, this is fine. Let's go. You yeah. know, it could have been, and we'll uh, talk I wonder, about that. I wonder if he was pissed about how the match was supposed to end. So, We'll get into it. Part of that is it, but Bischoff talked about it at length, and there's a lot of things that kind of went into it. Um, and we'll we'll talk. I'll, I'll break that down to you guys in a minute. Right, cool. So here we go: WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Hollywood Hogan versus Sting, winner and new world champion Sting. Um, so I'm going to be very nice and give this one star. Um, the match was an example of everything that was wrong with WCW. They, I agree. they spent a year, over a year, building this this massive, massive main event. Then they finally get there, and they can't even book the damn finish that everybody wanted to see. Everybody that bought a ticket to that show, everyone that ordered the pay-per-view already knew what the finish was, but they just wanted to see it. They wanted to see mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan lose clean and WCW come out on top with their guy, and their guy – Mr. WCW was Sting, and they just they did they didn't do it. They they shouldn't have even wrestled that long. It was over twelve, almost thirteen minutes. You know, it would have been better if they went about five or seven total. Um, you know, have much less of Hogan's you know shitty offense and have Sting beat him convincingly. You know, come in couple punches, Stinger splash, um, Scorpion death drops, uh, Scorpion death lock, get out of there, brand new champion. Um, you know, instead we got this massive mess, and mm-hmm. I just almost forgot until I watched it again just how bad the offense was between both guys. Sting's right. offense just looked completely disinteresting. 
Um, he didn't look as good at all as he did in his prime, but he he did okay. Um, and I'll have more thoughts on that when we get and like later first, on. And like the first five minutes of this match was all just like posing and posturing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Saying, you know, they, were, they were like dancing around each other. This match only went thirteen minutes, and you just wasted half of it by dicking around like you normally do in every <clears throat> match by posing and you know playing up the you know, big two heel. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So my biggest my biggest memory of this match. Um, and I didn't even watch this because I knew this is the bulk of what the show was going to be about was this debacle. This match is etched into my memory. Yeah, I didn't even same. have to go back and watch this match. I was like, I, it's etched into my mind. I've seen mm-hmm. it so many times. I'm so disappointed by it. For me, my memory of this match is the entrances happened. There was some, sir, there was some posing going on. And then Hogan controlled the match and pinned Sting and won. And then out of nowhere, you had... Oh, that was a fast count. And <laughs> it was not a fast count. It wasn't a fast count. Right. Nick Patrick goes, No, sir. No, sir. It wasn't a fast count. And then Bret Hart punches him and then Sting wins somehow. And Bret counts. That's literally my memory of this match going. And I remember I watched, George, I think you and me watched it a few handful of years ago. And I remember, I, I vividly remember um, saying to each other, like, this is worse than I remember it being. Yeah. Like this was the match. Like I almost, I remember watching it, going, "This is what the match was." Like I remember it being different, and I could, I was like shell shocked that I had at that point. This probably was like five or six years ago. Um, I was like shell shocked that I had forgotten how bad this match was and how much mm-hmm. of a letdown yep. it was because it was the complete opposite of what you expected this match to be. You expected Sting to come in and dominate and beat Hogan. And what you got was Sting had a little bit of offense and it was just Hogan doing Hogan stuff and pinning him. And that was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I'm just like shell shocked that like I'm still to this day, 25 years later at 35 years old, it's still just my, it blows my mind that this company, which was on the verge of putting WBF out of business. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, they had them on the ropes mm-hmm. that, you know, 83 weeks, you know, all that, all that shit. And this is the payoff for everything. It is just insanity that this is what let everything led to this. Mm-hmm. This was the moment. This was the catalyst. That essentially, this was the first nail in the WWE. It conference. is. You're right. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Hogan Sting finish was so bad. Like, honestly, one of the worst, you know, match finishes in the history of wrestling. And this is during the biggest match in wrestling history according to wcw like let's not pretend like the company died because of this because 1998 was still a good year for them but this was a prime example like you said dean of the bad decisions they made that ultimately led to their downfall um you know and here's what bischoff kind of said regarding like the setup to this match he said um about staying what had happened over the course of a year is he hadn't been working out at all he wasn't engaged. He'd show up. He'd do his thing. He would do it very well. It was great. He'd get on a plane the next morning, and he would disappear, and we wouldn't see or talk to him for a week. But at the end of our first meeting that day, talking about where things were going, when it was over, Hulk and I both looked at each other and go, man, we, we can't go here. Like he He's not ready for this. It didn't feel to us that this was a priority. Hulk Hogan takes the heat for this. For this, you know, you changed the finish. You didn't want to do it. BS. This was my call, right or wrong. 
This was my call. Um, and, you know, hmm. Bischoff has said before that this was at a time where Sting was going through a real nasty divorce. So mm-hmm. he really had a lot of personal issues going on. Um, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And, you know, to me, this whole finish thing was was pretty simple. You just put Sting over clean. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. This show did the biggest buy rate in WCW history and was the biggest show they ever did. Um, a lot of the ways, you know, yet they messed up the finish all because of ego. Who cares if you have to put over a guy, Hulk? Like, who cares? It's a, it's a fucking wrestling show. Mm-hmm. This story was built up for over a year. All Hogan had to do was take the pin clean. Sting wins and people celebrate. Then you can do whatever the hell you want after it's over in the weeks ahead. Uh, instead, Sting is made to look like an absolute idiot. Bret Hart is out here saying it's a fast count when clearly the entire globe can tell that it wasn't. And they did this massive celebration that led to uh, you know a lot of shoulder shrugging by us. You know We're sitting here like, well, what's going on? And then, you know, uh, what a week or two later they stripped the title from from sting so it it all because it all is for not this whole pay-per-view was for not like a week later um yeah the, um, you, you you can't tell me that vince didn't see this pay-per-view and go whoof yeah I, thank I god worried, yeah i was almost worried for a second well let's have stone cold win the Royal rumble and see where that goes <laughs> yeah it, it's you know this was one of the easiest match finishes to book in, re- in the history of wrestling. Really, it has to be. It was one of the most important matches, um, and that's why you have to get it right. While somebody like Hogan could say something like, you know, they got the same end result anyway with Sting winning. That's not the point. It's about doing things the right way. Look at Hogan 10 years earlier beating Andre the Giant in the biggest match in wrestling history at that point. Still one yeah. of the biggest matches in the history of wrestling. If that was yeah. a cheap it's, win. It's still not the biggest. Right, it just went. It's just the meaning of it, you know? right? If that was a cheap win, it wouldn't have meant as much as it did. Mm-hmm. If you tell the story the right way, the payoff is always going to be great. If you tell the story in a bad way, people are going to bitch about it 25 years later, like we are right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know Bischoff said it was his call because Sting wasn't in great shape or didn't have a fucking tan. Um, I'm not sure if, if I believe that Eric's always been you know, connected at the hip of Hulk Hogan. And that's yeah. admittedly. So he's going to side with him on the matter. And, you know, all Hulk has to do is stroke that Fu Manchu and give another, that doesn't work for me, brother. And the finish has been <laughs> changed. So, um, <laughs> Sting. This was, I'll say, this was a soft lob across the plate with the bases loaded. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Nick Wait. Patrick has been on record you know, the referee as saying, you know, twice in that day, I was told something. The first time I was told by the boss of WCW to do something. And then later on, I was told by the real boss of WCW to do something different. Um, and based Sorry, on watching, assuming he means Hogan, I'm assuming he means the real boss is Hulk Hogan. Um, so, you know, it's like I said earlier, the match result didn't kill WCW. Business was great over the next year, but it was decisions like this that hurt them a lot because they continued in the months and the years ahead. You know, too bad, you know, that guys like Hogan were, you know, were marks for themselves at this point so much they couldn't lay down to put somebody over clean for a title win. Um, at least Hogan did do it with Goldberg in July of 98. Um, 
in that case, it was given away for free on television um, and they didn't benefit from a pay-per-view audience. So it, how did it actually help WCW? Um, I don't even think they even won the ratings that night either. I don't, I, I think you're correct. They the, might have, but it might have been a slim margin. Yeah. I mean, look, the moral of the story is this. I'm sure there's a few, but this is an example of why it's bad to let wrestlers have creative control because it's not going to end well, brother. Um, this is the, and, and unfortunately, this is the motif that's going to be followed by the other show that's on the Turner Network. And, and TNA was the same way because, for a while. Yeah, because of how much they idolize old WCW and they you know, want to do this back. But, it's like, but if you look at some of those things, they didn't land. Mm-hmm. Like there's a revisionist history in WCW that um, <clears throat> that you know that, that 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 the company was tanked by Russo when it's like it was already going downhill by the time Russo got there. Yeah. I mean he didn't help anything, but you look at you you look at this bill with Sting and it didn't hit. Fast forward a year to October of Halloween Havoc, you build up Warrior, you know Warrior's big comeback. You know he's going after Hogan, and that just completely shit the bed. And it went over time, so the Goldberg DDP match got cut from the pay per view, and they had to air it the next night on Nitro. Yeah, like it was just it was bad after after that match, it was bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, they made money from it, but how much did they really make? I mean, what wasn't the main event at Bash of the Beach '98 like Hogan and Bischoff against DDP and Jay Leno or some shit like that? Mm-hmm. Like, or was I, it Hogan? Was it Hogan and Rodman versus uh, the Mailman and uh, DDP? No, nah, that might have been before. Oh no, yeah, that, that was Sturgis, I think actually. I, I think I think that was Bash of the Beach. Jay Leno was Sturgis. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, but even the next and, paper. Hey, Carmelo was jacked. Yeah, but even the but even the next pay per view that followed this sold out didn't even feature the world title. The world title wasn't even on the damn card. I know. Um, it's guys... a real shame too because I really did love WCW and mm-hmm. it just this this I think for me, I remember being really disheartened with this pay per view, and I think this. I mean, I, I was I was a fan of both companies. Like I've always I've always said I was got to preface. I I loved the WWF just as much. This really was kind of where I was just like, mm, what's on USA? Yeah. And I started yeah. to really watch a lot more Raw. I mean, I'd watch the first hour of Nitro, but then I would never really switch back for a while. Yeah. You know, and then when, when I checked back in a lot with the Wolfpack was there because I love Kevin Nash and I thought the Wolfpack was pretty cool. But for the most part, this was it. This was really this was really the, the pivot point for me as a wrestling fan to just kind of not give a shit about WCW because – they just it, it was it was just it, it's a madhouse you know it was just yeah this the, the inmates ran the, the asylum essentially and there, yeah there were it was there, it was a hard watch there, a lot of times there were too many cooks in the kitchen on that writing team because you'd sit yeah. there you have somebody write up you know write up a show and then you have hogan coming in oh this doesn't work for me brother you have like uh is nash even gonna wrestle this uh, is Nash even going to wrestle tonight? Is Hall have his demons under control? Is he strung out somewhere? You know, mm-hmm. like what is going on? And you know, nobody knew what was going on. The only thing that was being booked was any of the upper guys. That's why Jericho basically had Carp Blanche do whatever he wanted because nobody was watching him. He was right. just there. He would, the, Bischoff would basically tell him, hey, just go out and kill five minutes. And then he's like, okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then he'd go out and steal the damn show. Yeah. Um, so even though we all hate the guy, I'm going to read the excerpt um, from the Wrestling Observer from Dave on this match. Because it was actually... I just dislike him a lot because I do agree with some of the stuff he says. I He actually does a great job um, with, with this. Um, so here, here is... Uh, here's what he says. The story was scheduled to be that since Hogan was doing the job, he dominated on offense. Since Nick Patrick was going to turn heel as a ref in a role that was originally designed for Earl Hebner, however, WCW neither never made a strong enough effort to contact Dave and Earl Hebner, or they turned down the offer. But it's obvious that was the original role for this match was booked for, was to have a heel referee. Well, real quick, I'm going to intervene there. There's no fucking way that Bret Hart was going to be in any room near Earl Hebner at this yeah. point. He would have oh, really yeah. gotten a gun and shot his head off. So wow. um, <laughs> that was a, that was a quote from Bret, not me. Um, so, uh, but it's just funny that that's what he he, he wanted to do. Um, yeah. So after a lackluster match, which even saw boring chance two minutes in, Hogan delivered his foot to the face and leg drop finish. At this point, the plan was for Patrick to deliver a fast count and have Sting still kick out before three, but Patrick would rule it as a pin, leading to Bret Hart's avenging the wrong done to him at Survivor Series and getting the match restarted and taking over as the ref, leading to Sting winning with the Scorpion Deathlock submission right in the middle. A funny thing happened, though. Patrick just didn't count fast. Why is a bigger mystery than the weird gravitational pull from the alignment of the stars that resulted in Kevin Nash, Royce Gracie, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley all coming up injured within a few days of each other just prior to all having to suffer either symbolic uh, worked or realistic beatings? You can miss time a ref bump. You can blow a move. But how do you blow a fast count? The only reasonable answer to this is Hogan changed a spot in the ring and Patrick didn't want to cross Hogan because all the power he wields even though the plan was different coming off the heart Michaels deal, which had been the catalyst for everything in the business since is Bischoff Hogan and nobody else, perhaps sting decided to do a non fast count when there was supposed to be a fast count, um, an angle. Uh, but yet, but that doesn't make sense either because why did they have the announcers sell it as a fast count the next day? So hard when it wasn't. And if that was the case, the guy who got screwed and made a fool of would have been Bret Hart, who, if anything, this company wasn't trying to portray in that matter after the last company did, right? Sting, you guys, is your head spinning yet? Uh, Sting did try to kick out, but Hogan didn't sell it by flying off, giving the first assumption some more validity. I'd say coming in the wake of the Hart-Michaels deal that was the most likely scenario is that Hogan who no doubt was negotiating for all he was worth as far as getting whatever he could out of doing the job, apparently was able to manipulate the finish into appearing that he actually won the match cleanly and he was screwed by heart, which wasn't the idea the fans were supposed to have. On TV the next night, they didn't even acknowledge the original story wasn't executed in the original manner, trying to sell the entire show that Patrick gave a fast count and heart wouldn't stand for it. By all appearances, Hogan pinned Sting pretty much clean. Um, Hart then came out and prevented the ref from ringing the bell, punched out Patrick, who told Hart he had counted three, trying to say he'd never let a ref screw a wrestler like that, (laughs) playing off the Survivor Series finish, uh, and got in the ring to take over as referee. 
as both Marcus Bagwell and Scott Norton failed in failed in their run-ins, teased by having a, yeah, teased by having a similar run-in finish, cost Lex Luger the match with Bagwell. Sting clamped on the Scorpion after signaling that the hold was almost a tribute to Hart by the eye contact made, and Hart ruled that it was a submission and called for the bell. I just, you know, I think it's funny because Meltzer was reporting the story as best as it could, yet also wondering what the hell WCW was doing. Um, I, I look, this is wild to read because he kind of spelled out everything that was reported years later. Yeah. At the end of all of that, George and Dean, do you think this was a Hogan deal? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it's it's the only thing it, it could it, be. I think. It, 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 it it's hard to think of any other scenario that doesn't involve Hogan just wanting to change the finish. Um, it because because no other scenario makes sense. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. the, the, this was a simple just you know that this was a. a by coloring a page on a book and you only needed one crayon and you just went outside the lines and just drew all over and then wiped your ass with it and handed it in and said, mm, done. Like it's the, it's knowing Hogan's ego and knowing what we already know of Hogan, especially dating back to WrestleMania nine and how mm-hmm. he somehow weaseled his way into the, that match to win the mm-hmm. bell off Yokozuna. It's hard to somehow. Not, <laughs> it, it's hard to not blame Hogan. Somehow right. Hogan. It's, it's won hard the to title. not blame Hogan for this. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah. You know this was. At I a agree point, too. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up here, guys, George is still talking and he's he's out. Yeah. Um, he's gone. So Dean, what do you out of ten? What do you give this pay per view? I give it a fucking zero. Wow. It's not far off from what I give it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just, yeah, of course, you had, you know, the two matches that were pretty solid, mm-hmm. but the rest of the show is just garbage. And yeah, a letdown. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's your, and that's your big pay-per-view. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, it's just, it's just insane. I, mm-hmm. I'm still like mind blown, like, like, and they never really, they had a good year in 98, but they never recovered from this. No. Like, mm-hmm. at least when, when WWF had WrestleMania 9 and it was, awful from pretty much start to finish they followed it up the following year with wrestlemania 10 which is incredible yeah which is one of the better manias yeah you know we're covering that next week yeah <clears throat> i guess you guys are gonna get me again <laughs> um, um, but yeah but that yeah i give it a zero i just well i would I, rather watch halloween havoc 98 than this oof. because halloween havoc 98 besides the main event is a pretty decent pay-per-view i agree with yeah. you um George, how about you? One. I gave it a, a two. One. Yeah. I gave it a one strictly for the DDP uh, Kurt mm. Honey match. And, 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 and then I added the Eddie Guerrero and, and, and Demon Lake match, gave it a two. Actually, yeah. yeah. And the Radicals, because Benoit and Saturn, they, they got their stuff in the time that they had. It was yeah. a garbage match, but they, it, was yeah. still, it was still entertaining to watch. I agree. But do, you think the story, do, you, do you think the true story of that main event is ever going to come out to light? Unless Sting feels like talking about it, it seems to me he really doesn't care. Um, I think Sting's the only guy that will tell the truth about it, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think once I don't, I don't think I, it. Go ahead, George. I was saying, I, I think once Hogan eventually passes away, I think a lot of shit's going to come out. <laughs> Even more than what has. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, think... I mean, 
despite fans come out, there's still a lot behind the. Behind I the I scenes. agree. Oh I sure, agree. sure, yeah. sure. Um, I I feel like um, I feel like at this point it's it's probably a really like a a, a moot point. Yeah, in I agree. terms of the world, like like it's fun for us to speculate and kind for of sure. live and stuff like that. But I think people in the business, I think they, they it's it doesn't matter. You know, what I mean, it happens. I, yeah. so it's not it's not the Montreal screw job where you know you have a little bit of differing views and you never really know kind of what happened, but you pretty mm-hmm. much do know. And there's the other uh, controversies. Um, I think this is just, uh, I don't think it's as controversial. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think it was just about the fact it that was it was just a Hogan. colossal mess up. Yeah. It was a mess up. And I think yeah. it was, it comes down to the fact that Hogan just decided, I don't want to do this. This doesn't work for me, brother. I agree. Um, all right. You know? That wraps it up. Um, like I said, I gave it a two, but uh, at Hot Tag Podcast on Instagram, this was a lot of fun talking about this pay per view. Man, we're going to do more WCW things in the future. Um, Please, especially so- sin and greed. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, next week we'll be covering WrestleMania ten, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to talk about um, you know, the ladder match between Razor and Sean and Owen. Next and Brett. week on Biggie Guarantee, we're doing our top ten Mania matches. By the way, that's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Biggie so- Guarantee will be recording uh, Thursday of this week, so uh, we got that coming out too. Um, thank you guys very much, uh, George and Dean. I appreciate it. All right, we're out of here, guys. This is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.